0: Hello, Gen Xers. Welcome back to The Water Cooler. It's uh, been another crazy week. Huh? Anything interesting going on? Uh, of course there is. There always seems to be uh, lately, especially as we head up to a presidential election, always seems to go that way. And, and uh, this past week, of course, with the Supreme Court hearing going on and, and campaign in full swing, there's a lot of nonsense to unpack. So first things first, as far as the Amy Coney Barrett uh, hearings are concerned, I have to admit that this is the first time that I've proactively watched a Supreme Court hearing since the Clarence Thomas hearings way back when. Um, And I I, I quickly uh, was reminded as to why I tune these things out, this type of political theater, uh, certainly is is very off-putting, uh, even for someone who tends to be as interested in politics and current events as I am. But it's it's just see how those things unpack. It's it's just something that uh, it just offends my Gen X uh, sensibilities. It, it's there's so much theater, so much so much that's phony uh, and and nonsense, and just you know, trying to score cheap political points that. Uh, that it, it it's something that tends to not be uh, worth much, but and, and there's quite a few interesting things that I took away from the Barrett hearings. First things first, uh, Judge Barrett seems to be extremely intelligent, extremely well-versed, um, has accomplished quite a bit in her career as a as a professor and also as a judge in the Seventh Circuit. And, and she's certainly published a lot and accomplished a lot in her career. And is more than capable of filling a vacancy within the Supreme Court. Now, the hearings could be that, that easy, but of course, they're not. And there were several days that each of these senators on the uh, Judicial Committee took, permission, took turns to ask her different, different questions and, and get their various points across. Um, and a, a, a couple of Things that I note, uh, First things first, the Republicans obviously were were very much in favor of her and inclined to uh, be favorable of her nominee nomination and uh, gave her some some softballs in sending her up to to lay out her her qualifications and where she stands as far as judicial philosophy goes. That's to be expected uh, coming from. A president nominating her from the same party, that's certainly no surprise. As far as the Democrats were concerned, uh, they seemed to take at least a good part of the first day spitballing and and trying to make anything stick that they possibly could, that they could uh, take her out. Uh, It was good to see them not go the Kavanaugh route, which I was bracing for, particularly with her kids in the front row. And maybe that was by design, having her kids in the, in, in the front row to try to avoid some of the, the nonsense that we saw with, with what Brett Kavanaugh had to go through. Um, but I was t- certainly taken by the tone of a lot of the, the questions, the arrogance of, from a lot of the senators that they were, they were a- asking their questions. Um, it, it certainly seemed to be strange. Um, starting off with Senator Feinstein, a couple of things that I noted was just a general condescending tone that uh, she took with her and, and how she would get an answer from her and kept restating the questions. And it, it's, it's certainly something that for me in my professional career, I know that that certainly tends to irritate me when when someone asks you a question and you give them an answer, and they don't necessarily like the answer that you've given them, they will restate the question expecting a different response. I don't know why they do this. And and again, maybe this was just the Democrats spitballing, but they seem to do this over and over and over again. And Senator Feinstein was certainly one of the most egregious defenders as far as this was concerned. But she would ask just kind of these rambling, um, condescending uh, questions Judge Barrett would give an answer, fairly straightforward and well-reasoned, and she would sometimes even say, well, I don't think you're understanding the question, and would restate it and ask the same question again. I just didn't understand what she was trying to get at, but it just, it seemed, for me, it seemed to make Feinstein uh, look pretty silly. Um, But during that uh, exchange, I don't remember which day it was, but um, Judge Barrett answered that you know, she didn't think that judges should be legal pundits and would just push back her opinion on various political questions like abortion or the ACA or wh- whatever it was. She just continually would, would not play the game of asserting political opinion and opinion on, on hot-button topics, particularly those that could lead to a case that would come before her. Again, that's well-reasoned. We've heard that over and over again, not just with her, but with just about every other Supreme Court justice uh, nominee. Um, that's the obvious answer for, for a lot of those things. You can't uh, give an opinion prior to hearing a case, prior to hearing fact. And when they state that, that seems to be the very logical uh, answer to that question. But it certainly didn't seem to be enough and during this hearing, certainly not enough for Senator Feinstein uh, there are a number of times where it, she would, I, I just found her, her phrasing very odd. She would say, "Well, let me ask you a question as a person, as a person." Now, I, I don't know if if either this means that somehow she is something other than a person, whether you know some kind of uh, elevated animal status or or some uh, robot of some kind. I'm I'm not sure. Maybe maybe some kind of cyborg, but it was just really weird, and I think it goes back to the condescending tone that she seemed to take over and over again, and it just kind of showed the hubris of the members of that committee where they would seem to want to condescend to our level and ask a question as a person, as as just this lowly person like all of us here that she needed to descend to our level and ask a question from that level. You know, you, you, you can spare me, Senator Feinstein, um, but again, over and over, uh, Judge Barrett would simply argue that she would have to she uh, a rule based on statute and precedent. Again, very well reasoned reasoned uh, responses. And and then there are many times when when Feinstein would even respond by saying, "Well, what I was hoping you would say was." Blah, 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 blah. Okay, then why'd you ask the question? You knew she wasn't going to give that, but what you were hoping she would say? And it wasn't that I was hoping you would say that you're honest, or I was hoping that you'd say you'd follow the Constitution. No. You were hoping that you were trying to score some cheap political points and have her somehow agree with you. But, you know, she didn't, and you're going to have to deal with that. It was just, it was strange. that, She's so beyond her her time in, in the Senate, she needs to go. She's too, too old, too, too, uh, too corrupt, she, she needs to go. And speaking of old and corrupt, uh, Senator Leahy, the only thing I can say for him is he just came across as very rambling, incoherent, and really, really old. He didn't really offer, offer much, uh, nothing constructive as, as far as the hearings were concerned. Uh, Senator Cornyn, uh, there was one point that I I noticed that he seemed to suggest that uh, any opposition that she would give, um, certainly opposition to stances that he would take, would suggest that she would be violating her oath of office. I don't know if he was just trying to imply that she's dishonest, that she wasn't answering the questions uh, truthfully, or that she would somehow represent herself differently when she 's on the court versus when she 's in these hearings, but it was really, really weird i didn 't really get where he was he was coming from. Um, Senator Whitehouse would, he, he was really pushing her hard on the on the Affordable Care Act, which of course she couldn 't uh, re- respond to. Um, she kept saying that it 's their responsibility or the legislature 's responsibility to write law and to make law, and it's, it would be her responsibility on, as a member of the Supreme Court to judge the merits of that law. Seems well-reasoned, but he really kept pushing her on, on opinions for the ACA, and you know, she just wasn't, wasn't, going to, wasn't going to give in to that. And again, the, another thing that was really getting under my skin were just so many anecdotes you know you can spare. This is not the State of the Union. You can spare me the sob stories. You can spare me the examples of this person and that person and what this means to them and blah 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 blah. None of that mattered. None of it was relevant. What is relevant is Judge Barrett's experience, her intelligence, and her ability to to faithfully act as a member of the Supreme Court. That's it. You don't need to hear some sob story of Billy out in Arkansas and how the Affordable Care Act and the blah, 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 blah. Such utter nonsense. Now, speaking of utter nonsense, Senator Hirono from Hawaii, oh, good gravy, is this senator an utter moron. Where did she come from? Oh my goodness, Was she? I, she was probably the biggest embarrassment I felt out of the whole charade. I don't know how she got to where she was. I don't know what her experience, without even in, looking into her, but she came across as a complete fool. First things first, the weird condescending tone that she would ask her questions just, I felt, so bizarre and so grating. She, she almost kind of took like that, you know, how you, how you hear, say, any kind of a, you know, co-ed or some college girl, how they tend to state everything in the form of a question, and she did that over and over again, uh, and it, it was it, I just found it so grating, and everything she asked was a yes or no question. And I just I found that one very, very strange. Now again, maybe she was just trying to spitball and, and try to box her in to somehow contradict herself, but it was really, really strange to me that in, in this setting, just like any other job interview, but in this setting, that you'd be asking yes or no questions, unless whatever you're asking is very, very straightforward. But over and over again, I would think you'd want to ask open-ended questions to understand their thinking, their reasoning, how they would approach something. Not just simply, yes or no. Do you believe that? Blah, blah, blah. Are you saying that? Blah, 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 blah. It was just excruciating. It, there were a couple times I had to walk away for just, have some silence for a couple minutes because she just made my head hurt. Um, and, I, and at one point, she was, she was asking about the ACA, and of course, Judge Barrett was saying, "Well, I would follow the law faithfully because her being a constitutional originalist." And she explained this: is that she would interpret the Constitution as it was intended at the time of its writing and the time of its ratification. And that's a you know, widely held belief within the legal community. There's some that disagree. Certainly, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was on that opposite spectrum. But she would be faithful to the way the founders intended the Constitution to be at the time it was ratified. Now, that is not necessarily literal, and she explained that as an example that just because the Internet didn't exist and social media didn't exist in the 1790s doesn't mean that the principles of free speech can't apply to those platforms. That's a very reasoned reasoned response, a reasoned way of looking at things, and she, she was explained that she would be very faithful to that, you know, to that uh, principle and, and interpret the Constitution as law and, and apply it that way. And somehow, Senator Hirono twisted that to saying, well, you said you would follow the law as it was written, but the ACA is law. How come you just can't follow that law? I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know if, if she's stupid or she thinks we're stupid. She thinks the American people in general are stupid. But no, you moron, when she was saying she would follow the law, she was talking about the Constitution, and of course, her job as a member of the Supreme Court would be to judge whether or not a a law like the ACA is constitutional or not constitutional. That's what she was talking about. I don't know if that went over her head, or if she was intentionally twisting that around. It was just really weird, and my patience with that was was just almost non-existent. And, of course, as far as non-existent patients concerned, old uh, Dick Durbin from here in, in Illinois, uh, boy, he's, he's just a fool. He needs to go, and, of course, he's not going to go because Illinois is as corrupt as you get. It's as blue as you get, and he's going to be around for a while, unfortunately. But he, it just would, he kept giving such gross distortions of decisions that she's had, and he was really trying hard to smear her decisions, um, and it of course it, it didn 't stick as far as I was concerned, and and she handled it with a lot of patience um, with a lot of grace, but she, he he just kept trying really hard to to distort things uh, Cory Booker, uh, old Spartacus uh, boy he he seemed to spend a lot of time uh, mansplaining as ironic as that was from the you know, week before from the vice presidential debate when that was the takeaway of so many. In the Democrat Party and in the media, um, but he seemed to uh, try to re-explain so many times to her. And there was one time he even said something on oh, I don't think you, uh, I don't think you un- understand the question. Let me rephrase that question as though she's too stupid to understand what he was trying to get at. And one point, uh, good on her. Uh, she seemed to call him out on him trying to. His tactics to try to box her in a corner, and 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 she called him out on that, and essentially said, you know, she wasn't going to, going to you know, play those games. I think was particular regarding ex- executive policy, but uh, you know, she did a great job, um, and even in the face of, of attempts to smear, like in the case of Senator Hirono, where At one point, she asked her if she had ever. Uh, given anybody an unwanted sexual advance or harassment or something. It was just, it was gross. It was weird. I, I don't know if she was fishing, if she thought she had something, but she just embarrassed herself. Um, but you know, Judge Barrett t- you know, took the questions um, very, very maturely, and um, it was something that uh, at, at least, I, n- I know I would not have been able to respond in the way that she would have or the way that she did, I would have responded with so much more sarcasm, so much more snark, and so much more eye-rolling that it would have made the nominee just look awful. But she didn't, and that's probably why she's sitting in that seat, and I am not, and that's okay, because she's much more uh, equipped to be on the Supreme Court than I am, but I I would have, have been and just biting back at those fools, but she didn't. And, and that's, I think, something that you would want from someone sitting on the Supreme Court who's level-headed, who can be dispassionate when needed need to be. Um, but you know, she certainly handled her, herself well, uh, particularly in the face of, of, of some predictable hostile questioning, or at least some hostile in, in the way of tone, for sure. Now, and also, you know, during the, the line of questions, the uh, Senate as Democrats, interrupted her 78 times. Now, again, coming on the heels of the vice presidential debate and the fallout from that, I thought it was very interesting that you didn't hear any cries of sexism, no cries of misogyny, uh, no cries of mansplaining for all the interrupting that was going on uh, during her hearing. But she was very patient, much more patient than I ever uh, could have been. But I think what was really laid bare Uh, during those hearings were the function that the Democrats uh, think the Supreme Court uh, should operate because they were very, very concerned with how she would specifically hold up uh, or judge with uh, specific laws or specific cases or, in principle, whether it's abortion or the Affordable Care Act or... Um, contesting a presidential election, whatever it might be. But they're they're very, very concerned with how she would rule in specific cases. And you could see that the Democrats clearly view the Supreme Court as another way to advance their agenda. See, they're not interested in having judges to simply uh, rule justly, to rule blindly, you know, the the old statue of the blind woman with the scales, that you would expect in, in our, in our uh, democratic, republican, in our type of democracy. They don't want that. That's something that definitely goes contrary to, to, to what they want. They want someone to rubber stamp their agenda. They want someone who will, like say John Roberts, who will twist and, and contort himself to make the Affordable Care Act constitutional they don't want somebody who will look at things and rule against them on principle. They want somebody who will rule with them just because. And that's why they want to pack the Supreme Court. And no Dick Durbin. I'm not talking about packing the Supreme Court by filling vacancies. I'm obviously talking about when you get in power to add the number of justices on the Supreme Court so that you can have someone who will be... um, very sympathetic to your agenda. And that's clearly what the Democrats have thought about the Supreme Court for many, many years. And you can go back from the, you know, the, you know since the Reagan times in, in, in his nominations and Bush's nominations, the, the number of objections and no votes that they've had on Supreme Court justices versus the number of no votes that Republicans have given to Democrat nominees It's night and day, and that's why, right? Because they need they they know that they can't simply debate principle. They can't uh, run on merit. They need someone who will be able to work in the back rooms and ram their agenda through. Now, switching gears to the weird town halls that took place on Thursday. Uh, ABC had their little town hall thing with, with Biden and their little kumbaya session, and NBC had their thing with, with uh, Donald Trump. Now, leading up to it, I thought it was really curious how there was so much outrage amongst the Hollywood community and amongst the journalistic community that NBC would dare put Donald Trump on, on air to have that, that forum of, to express what he wanted. But for some reason, they didn't seem to have any problem with ABC doing that same thing at the same time. You know, it was just really weird. And again, it is, when you do something like that, that just offends the sensibilities of Gen Xers like me, and I'm sure like you. We can see BS, we can see crap, we can see hypocrisy from a mile away if if you're nothing but consistent we can at least respect it we can disagree but we can at least appreciate that you're consistent now if you had a problem with abc doing a solo event with biden and you had a problem with nbc doing a solo event with president trump i could totally get that i would i could possibly disagree but i would totally be able to respect it but when you are okay with one but not the other then my eyes are rolling and i think you're full of crap as as far as the event went on NBC, uh, it really got off to a bizarre start, and, and I was really confused at first because I was expecting to see the town hall forum that, that we've had, Every, you know, the, back in, in the old slick willy times from 92 when, you know, that brought out the whole, I, I feel your pain nonsense from, from Clinton, uh, you know, because he'd like to, to look voters in the eye and, and, and answer their questions. It was supposed to be that kind of forum, but it started off, uh, it almost seemed like either she, Samantha Guthrie was either debating Donald Trump or just straight arguing with him. It was really weird. It almost felt like, like she was arguing with her husband because she would just repeatedly interrupt him and would just not take his answers. Again, she would rephrase things, and it was just very combative. I, I thought it made first her look weird. I, I thought it it made the whole... The whole event looked very, very strange, um, but you know that was for about the first third of of this town hall was her just debating and interviewing or in, uh, arguing. It was just it was really, really strange, and I, I didn't get it. I think it made it made her look bad. And maybe maybe this was the Trump campaign playing their 4D chess. Maybe they they did that NBC of all places, knowing that it would expose whomever uh, did it. You know, for their bias, they, it would it would expose this notion of of, of that it's not necessarily even though there are a significant amount of Trump derangement syndrome. This is not necessarily about Donald Trump. This is how the political left would treat anybody that they disagree with. They will push. They will fight. They will will argue and they will will just dehumanize anybody that they disagree with. And maybe he was just simply putting that on display. But I, I did love that the woman who was sitting behind him in the, the hashtag red mask woman, she was great. The 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 nodding and and the, there's one I think she posted a video where she was was saying, yeah, Trump or whatever during a, a a, a commercial break, and he kind of acknowledged it, yeah, she was I thought absolutely hysterical, and she was great i for, for me she was she was the pinnacle of, of the whole uh, of the whole night i thought I thought she was great and and but the last point on on trump 's thing is it, at one point of course he was again asked if he would denounce white supremacy i, I don 't know how many times he needs to do this i don 't know what the statute limitations are of them not listening to his answer on this uh, and but at one point, she even asked him to denounce QAnon, which he said, I don't know about what QAnon is, but he didn't he denounce them. He denounced for what, for what he, you know, he was familiar with and went on and on. And then Mitt Romney the next day had some really weird, rambling, borderline incoherent uh, decrying of, of his answers in that and, and decrying QAnon. Yeah, I know listening is hard, Mitt Romney, but he did. The exact opposite of what you were saying in your little statement. Maybe that was pre-planned. I don't know, but that was it. Was another thing that they came out. That was just weird uh, for me. Joe Biden's event, for what it was worth, uh, it was it was uh, again, softball. You'd expect it, it, the weirdest thing I thought was um, he declared that eight to ten year olds. Should have the right to declare themselves trans, which I found very interesting. In light of going back to the Amy Coney Barrett uh, confirmation hearings, and at one point, going back to our buddy uh, Senator, you don't know where uh, she was, went to great lengths to say how offensive offensive it was that Judge Barrett said the word sexual preference. Premise being that the term sexual preference implies that it's a choice whether being gay is a choice, being trans is a choice, whatever she was trying to trying to twist, and you could see Judge Barrett's confusion when when she when she was asserting this, and you could see so many videos in in the following days with Democrat after Democrat after Democrat from Biden to Obama to. Many, many others saying up into within the past weeks and months, saying sexual preference, sexual preference, sexual preference. So that was that was very odd. But you can, you can that was the combative tone of of those hearings, and even to the point where Webster's changed the definition of preference like that day. It was just a joke. And but on on the heels of that, Biden was saying that you know, the. That eight to ten year olds should be able to choose for themselves and declare for themselves, uh, dude. I thought we just, we, I mean, just went the day before over how it's not a choice. I mean, Senator Hirono was grandstanding like crazy. Webster's changed their definition, and now here you are stating that, and everyone was cool with it. it was weird. It was just so weird, and, and, I, and I, I, I laughed a little bit because I, I thought it was pretty silly. But again, that's that's where we are. Uh, at the point of this campaign. And predictably, uh, a couple of those who are asking questions in, in Biden's forum, one of which was an Obama speechwriter, a former Obama speechwriter, and one was the wife of a Democrat candidate. Now, <laughs> not surprising, right, but that ABC would pack a room of, quote-unquote, un Undecided voters with these Democrat op- operatives they have done this for years. They've done this over and over again. And even Slick Willie did it, right? But the fact that they would have an ex-Obama speechwriter there, I thought was, was pretty funny. Now, I, I don't know if that means that, it can mean either one of two things. Number one is they're just, they're, they're dishonest. They're, they have a plant there to ask him a softball question, to get a softball answer. That could be. Or, I don't know, maybe it could be that an Obama speechwriter, of all people, knows how incompetent Joe Biden is. They know how unfit Joe Biden is, that they're to the point where they actually are undecided. Maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe that was on the level. And maybe just the fact that he was Obama's speechwriter is that much more damning for Joe Biden, that, that he would be undecided. Who knows? Or maybe not. But we'll, we'll see how, how that, that goes this week with the last presidential debate on Thursday. And I'm sure there's going to be some more interesting fallouts. If for no other reason than the Hunter Biden tapes that came out uh, towards the end of, of last week. And boy, what a landmine this is. First things first, Hunter Biden, dude has problems. He has a lot of problems. Just because his dad was a senator for 47 years or however long it was and, and a vice president for eight, that guy's got problems. Oh, my goodness, is, is, but it does he have problems? But in all of those problems, he was able to make some pretty good coin uh, in, in different international uh, corporations. And that seems to be the root of the problem. Not the fact that he has issues with substance abuse and and his affinity for hookers or whatever he's got going on. But the fact that he would first leverage his father's influence, that's no surprise. You can look up and down you know, from Romney's kids to um, Pelosi's kids to on all over. Right? Anybody with, an, with a name is going to have you know, a connection that they'll leverage for, for their own profession. I get it. Where this could be really, really problematic, though, and it would make Watergate seem like an absolute joke is that so much business was done, seeming, allegedly or seemingly from the emails that have been leaked thus far, that the business was done involving Hunter Biden because his connection seemed to imply that these companies or these countries had an in with the sitting vice president. From Russia, to Ukraine, to China, to Kazakhstan, it seemed, that connection seemed to imply that they would be able to wield that influence. Now, we, we just spent a better part of three years of investigations into Trump and Russia and Ukraine connections. And you saw over and over that you know democrats and and the media hammer this point and they were at one point they were really concerned whether michael cohen had pitched access to trump well here we are with concrete proof that there was access through hunter to his father into the biden obama white house uh, it, it, it certainly seems like, like this could be really, really problematic for Biden. Now, to be fair, this is probably par for the course, not just for Joe Biden and most politicians, but certainly all Democrats, but it's concrete proof of the level of corruption that the presumptive frontrunner has, has in his, his political career, and it should be damning, um, if, if people were, were certainly honest. We'll see where that goes. Um, but you know, you know, Biden, even yesterday, I think he, he, he put a lid on the week, right? So he, he uh, stopped all campaigning activities as in the run-up to uh, to the, his preparation for the debate. Certainly not a good look for him. Um, it, you can either read through that, that he's either incompetent or dishonest or he's just trying to stay away and, and, and hope the whole... Hunter Tape's issue dies down. I don't think that it will. Now, no one on the, in the media has called him out on it to any material degree yet. I'm sure uh, President Trump is looking chop his chops to do so, uh, particularly in light of what happened with Twitter and Facebook in, in the fallout of this story. As, as you probably know, the New York, this story was, was broken by the New York Post and any, immediately, once this broke, any sending or posting of the links to this story, even direct messages re- referencing this story, were immediately censored by these platforms, which should be troubling to everybody. You know, the, I think most Americans, and certainly us Gen Xers, are long since tired of all of these uh, tech companies trying to play honest when we know they're not. We know they're spying on us. We know they are are trying to you know, guide our, our decisions. They're 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 trying to inf- guide influence. And, it, and I'm sure everybody has had that creepy experience of of you know talking about something and then seeing an an ad for it pop up. Um, on, on your computer or on your phone, and not, not even necessarily something that you've looked up or searched, but it just pops up. We know they're spying on us. We know that they're trying to influence, influence us. And we also know that they're trying to influence this election. Google's trying it. Twitter's trying it. Facebook's trying it. We know that they're trying it. The only question is whether or not they'll get away with it. Whether the government will hold them to, accountable for it remains to be seen. I obviously think they should. I wouldn't want any company to be exerting any undue influence on the election, no matter what the candidate is. And we saw that like crazy in 2016. Didn't work. And they're trying even harder this year. Um, And it remains to be seen whether it will work. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, well, that's uh, that's probably where we'll, we'll leave it uh, today, and maybe next week we'll we'll uh, discuss our our, our buddy uh, Jeffrey Tubin and him him jacking it on uh, on his Zoom meeting. Um, but we'll uh, we'll we'll see how where this week takes us. At, from what we saw last week, it's bound to bound to be a wild ride as as we get closer to the election and we we finish up this last debate and and as. This potential scandal is brewing or this actual scandal wh- wh- whether it'll get the remains to be seen but it, it should be a lot of fun to at least watch it uh, watch it all go down but uh, until then enjoy your week and stay cool gen x